another morning another inbox full of newsletters and i really clearly fall into two three categories now like there's there's one or two where as soon as they come in i read them i must read them i feel uh, everything about them is compelling enough to make me want to read it there's the ones that i see it and i delete it and i'm probably lazy to unsubscribe and there's the third category which is like in that aspirational one day i will get to you <laughs> it keeps piling on right and yeah. i think of you know my own newsletter and how do i get people to move to that category one how do you really mm-hmm. refining the content to get there and one bigger question is this really an effort that is worth it so yeah i mean our emails even relevant anymore right because we get nurtured to the heavens and back uh, the moment we share our email address with absolutely any brand or product at all but how much are we really being impacted by these emails and what is the purpose that they serve right welcome to the damn good marketing podcast today we discuss email marketing You know that thing that pops up when you don't need it to, especially when you like us have five, six, seven mailboxes from different companies with different IDs. Do you pay attention to them? To be honest, I have muted all my mailboxes, but I do open, I do check, but at my own time and at my own pace. And marketing email, much as I am also on the sending end of it, I don't know to what extent it influences me on the receiving end of it. So let's dive into the three kinds of emails, which is cold emails, nurture emails. and then you have the newsletters which i think most of us want to read as long as they're good and they have good content in them and of course the subscription emails right so can i really build a side hustle on substack is that even a reality today's uh, day uh, let's dive in happy to happy to and uh, you know the first bit is interesting the cold email versus the email drip so how do you really mm. make that happen lots of automation honestly i think that's the appeal of a lot of these things right it's not that uh, you can get results it's that you can throw a lot of things at the wall and see maybe if something sticks and that inherently is a problem with cold emailing in general i find uh, because we rush to automate the process with you know a list that we bought off of somewhere or a list that was gathered from an event without really personalizing customizing there's nothing it's always about the moment you do not have visibility as to who these thousand people are the immediate next tendency is to then go and talk about yourself right so hey i am this brand i do this product mm. i can help you this way but the other person doesn't even want to be helped sometimes you know that's the nuance that sometimes cold emails fail to grasp i feel yeah So I am quite um, scared of setting up any drip email campaign. Honestly, uh, I know that for my kind of work, it's actually a good way to kind of remind people, give them next yeah. steps, and rope them in. But I just really worry, like what the the drip emails that I do get. Uh, I once signed up for some nutritionist, and it was relentless. It was like one after the other. As soon as you finished one, the next one came, and then the next one. I I could see the sequencing. I mean, all of that was evident, but it just felt like way too much. And then she lost yeah. me as a customer. Yeah, sometimes I think a lot of brands that work based on fear, based on urgency, there is a certain need that is felt. I think to send too many emails in a certain span of time. uh but fine nuance i think between cold emails and drip campaigns cold emails are that basically your 
uh, email address was bought or it was scraped using some tool. Uh, and therefore, you truly do not have any context as to who this person or who this brand is. Uh, drip emails usually begin after you have taken some action, which is maybe that you've you know expressed interest or you've signed up for a newsletter or you've said, okay, tell me more about this product. So there is some action from the customer end and therefore the drip really begins, right? So it's a way to nurture uh, if done well, <laughs> then it's a way to keep the customer engaged until the point when they're ready to buy. Mm-hmm. And uh, But, you know, you're right. I have seen cases where it works, like someone's trying to um, get me on boarded to, mm-hmm. a, let's say, a coaching, uh, coach training kind of program, like a training program for coaches. And it's, there's, it's very... Uh, step by step very nicely done where first there's some kind of a free video to watch then there's a free master class to attend then there's something else to like they they just take you there till the point where you're ready to sign up so some are done well and some I think that what you said is important don't rush me to make the decision yeah yeah exactly right and I and I like what you said earlier about not wanting to do it yourself uh, which is fairly okay, right? Because it's not so much about uh, whether you've sent an X number of emails in an X period of time. It's also about the intentionality behind it. So do I then want to, based on that, decide whether I send five emails, 10 emails, or how long, how do I then gauge, you know, a person's interest, mm-hmm. disinterest, all these things do come into the picture. Like yesterday, I was reading a post on LinkedIn. I really liked it. And then towards the end, they just put a simple CTA that said, follow me if you want to learn more about creating good content. And immediately I hit the follow button. But the fact of the matter is that I would never put a sentence like that on today's day and age Mm -hmm. in my LinkedIn post. So it's also about the individual comfort. And somewhere, I think when it comes to communications, the receiver does sense that. Like I know it sounds very superstitious. But I think when you put effort versus when you haven't, I think it's very clear to the person at the receiver. And that behavior is interesting, right? Like, for example, we are putting out stuff on social media, on LinkedIn, precisely for that reason that we want people to follow us, right? It's very clear. Otherwise, I I have no business there. I have 10 other things to do. I don't need to go and write that LinkedIn post or make that Instagram creative and put it up there. The very reason is I want you to like it and then keep liking it, like keep coming back to me. But the thought of putting that one line that says, Follow me, scarce. Follow me. He's a bit, yeah. It's just something that, I mean, maybe in the future, I just might uh, never say never. But today, it feels like a lot. So likewise with email campaigns, I think it's important to remember that it's not just something to tick off of a list of things to do, right? It's not a checklist. Okay, this week I said I'll send an email campaign and therefore I will. Uh, it's got to be a little more intentional than that. And that's true of all content efforts, more so emails, I would say, because Today, outside of literally picking up the phone and maybe sending a WhatsApp message or calling somebody, an email is a very intimate form of communication, right? Uh, I expect to hear updates and feedback and client uh, email. I expect to also get some kind of uh, visibility on how my week is going to look. In the middle of it all, I think somewhere I don't want to be much I don't want to hear from brands trying to sell me something, uh, which is the problem, right? Like sometimes we get so internally centered that we don't really recognize that the person on the outside genuinely doesn't care yeah true and um, there are also a lot of styles to the email itself right there are um, I kind of find myself moving from uh, seeing pretty pictures and a lot of links to what is more prevalent now just just a good story 
just good yeah. text that tells a story well but i'm sure preferences range widely so how do you cater to so many like i'm yeah. we have a wide audience anyone how do you cater to that in the style of your newsletter i wonder always i think uh, it's about changing things up from time to time right so uh, maybe a year year and a half ago it was still okay emails with images and things like that were still completely acceptable and they were read that was the norm and then a few brands or a few individuals started doing more of the substack style newsletters right which is text heavy uh, maybe a few links here and there uh, broken up into various thought processes and like points and now that seems to work right so a lot of people they just want to quickly get to the point as soon as possible so in that sense an email then becomes like an extended linkedin post which within maybe yeah. two or three scrolls i finish right and whatever links are necessary uh, for me to explore further they're placed right there so then it becomes Uh, what essentially uh, someone has called native content right so if you are on the platform and whatever you need to learn is being covered as part of the platform so you're not being redirected anywhere you're not being distracted with images uh, none of those things are happening yes some of us have a tendency to add the occasional gif because that's who we are uh, but beyond that i think people just want that block to be the time block that they spend on it as well yeah yeah So that's true that was a real style uh, at one point and it's kind of died down now there were just so many gifs and um, they were pretty large in contrast yeah. to the size of the text etc and uh, some like it and some don't so yeah you have to keep changing it up which i think brings me to another interesting thing that uh, do look at the numbers because uh, i was not really looking too much at the kind of analytics so to speak but mm. just one look and i realized that a large portion of folks uh, now read on their phone right which yeah. is not something i think about when i'm constructing the newsletter honestly so sure. maybe that's why even the move to you know more text that's just free flowing and easy to read and you don't because images tend to resize in very odd ways sometimes on the yeah, mobile yeah. true 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 and also sometimes on a mobile device especially because it's so functional and efficient right the purpose of a smartphone is not to uh, meander the purpose of it is to really just get to the point the size is meant mm. for that uh, so sometimes i think when you see that half the screen is taken up by an image unless it's a very contextual image like it's a cartoon or a comic for example uh it becomes very difficult to pay attention to just that because it's like a display ad which you now have to ignore and then kind of Correct. you know pay attention to the rest of it Correct. so yeah i think analytics and knowing a bit about who your reader is is very important so the funny thing about analytics is uh we say this a lot right like don't check your open rates because they mean nothing don't check your click rates because they actually mean nothing uh just because a data point is being provided by a platform does not mean that it's a valuable data point. it's the point that the platform can provide and therefore they're providing it uh which is interesting because and this is uh, a hypothesis i've had for a very long time uh maybe somebody can validate it or you know disqualify uh i have a feeling that at the end of the day everyone just uses that select all button on top of their mailbox and clicks read all like do a lot of people do that or am i the only odd person doing that or so obviously no, you're right i think it's a pattern right uh, depending yeah. on the kind of email client you use uh, or sometimes yeah. you've landed on it because you read the previous mail and now this got right 
this has come yeah like you just scroll left or scroll right some such thing like i have a feeling that a lot of people are just opening that email without really intending to or without even that being the signal right so how <laughs> sometimes <laughs> sometimes open rates are a little uh, <laughs> tricky and typically i mean for cold emails especially the reasons they don't perform are not that your subject line is wrong like right? that that can that comes much later in fact that your subject line didn't work or your text didn't work i think that's the last 20% of the whole equation you just haven't segmented them well enough you've just taken a homogeneous bunch of 1000 2000 people and you've started hitting them with random emails with no context right so obviously they are not going to pay attention to it beyond the point you'd even be marked as spam uh, which is where i think these campaigns also need to be supported through other channels right it's not just about okay have i sent five cold emails and okay nothing happened therefore this list is useless or the copywriter is useless like it's not you know nothing in between could potentially be bad uh when in fact you may want to try doing some display ads on linkedin if you find that it's a b2b audience or you may want to do some remarketing campaigns if it's people who visited your website and therefore they are part of a drip nurture i think it's about how many touch points you also cover not just like again like i said doing one thing and saying okay i've tried this and it doesn't work yeah yeah So there's one more thing I wanted to cover, which is uh, thinking that the customers remember you, right? Where you just go dark for four four months, five months, and suddenly you come out and say, "Oh, our sale is live." If you've got somebody on a list, and you know the gods are kind, and the person hasn't unsubscribed yet, then please like keep the engagement going. Like yesterday, I I got an email from Zivame. uh suddenly after like some i don't know 2 3 5 years got no saying it's your bronze anniversary with us and it was so it, it was just care. so <laughs> out of context to anything and everything like yeah. the last time i shopped to them is clearly like 4 5 years ago right yeah. so what were you doing all this while and suddenly why am i getting a coupon code for such a random yeah. thing I mean, if there were a thousand and one ways to say consistency, then I think we probably said it on this podcast and various other channels as well. It really just comes down to recall, right? And I know we spoke about this earlier, wherein we said we've read good content from a certain brand, we've seen nice ads, but we can't remember the brand name right now. So, you know, this is this is reality for a lot of us. Thousands and thousands of people are vying for our attention on a daily basis. So, expecting that you can just emerge, you know, from the proverbial grave, uh, happy Halloween. at any point in time and be you know engaging enough is a very far fetched uh, mm-hmm. presumption to me this also reminds me of this other brand sometimes the need to be there for every festival and every special occasion right like it's okay to not say anything sometimes yeah you know not everybody has to have a diwali campaign and a dashera campaign and a christmas campaign and a new year it's not necessary right like i understand that you want to sell products so please use that money to do other things right you know create something fun do something creative do something engaging i remember this random fathers day post that i received from i don't even remember the brand name anymore uh, i may have bought like one t-shirt from them at one point and that's all it is right it's a transaction uh-huh. and they sent a mail saying this fathers day we'd like to uh, celebrate our brand father which i thought was so weird and that's literally the only reason why i opened it and they are going on this self fulfilling praise of their powder and you know his journey i want to know but not in this context you know it's so weird yeah, like i'm not yeah. even thinking about your founder on today's day uh, <laughs> so yeah oh, and i mean some poor content marketing strategies to 
thought they really yeah. cracked it by bringing in the grandfather angle for this father <laughs> 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 I don't know pain, but it's just... painful for us to to receive yeah, such an email. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to be remembered for being cringy, right? Like I understand the right. pressures that brands face, but it's okay yeah. to just be quiet sometimes. Yeah. Correct. No, and I'm I'm sure you have the pressure from your clients like should we wish them for Halloween and should we wish them for mm. God knows what. I mean it has nothing to do with your brand. So just lie yeah. low, like just Contextually, and, again, yeah, right? Like, yeah. yeah, when we worked with a cybersecurity client, we sent all the Halloween emails on the planet because we felt it was right. We had the comics ready for it, and the context yeah. just presented itself, right? Like, it yeah. is scary to think of your data yeah. in everybody's hands. So, for others, obviously, we wouldn't. Correct. No, I think that's true. I think we all. Um, there's just so much coming into our inboxes. So if you can figure out and spend some time and kind of really adding value, uh, I find that when you do add value, folks stick with you. They give you a shot, yeah. right? But when you kind of spam them and you've, it feels like they've sent it to you without too much thought or consideration for who you are, then they're just yeah. as quick to, you know, kind of mark you as spam. <laughs> so all of this tells me that, you know, there is really value in investing in a good cold email campaign right so what are some mm-hmm. of the tips and tricks like what should what should someone running a, a good business with a decent email list but clearly they need to grow that list too uh, what should they do i think first things first just be so good at it that you can't be ignored right and i think that's true of all forms of content, content email even more i would say uh, because it's text eventually you know like the communication channel is a little less interactive in that sense right so please please make it like super super exciting and if you can't do it once in a while and there's a beautiful newsletter that's run by the founders at the wishing chair uh, some months they just don't write it you know <laughs> they're they're just dropping it like it comes every alternative month i'm okay with that because i know that when i open it i'll find the poetry that i'm looking for i'll find the nice editorial that my heart you know so i know what to expect from these guys so my, once in a while even if they fall off the wagon i'm still kind of okay with that so it's mm-hmm. about really making the content so good that you can't be and frankly cold emails before you scale before you send it to a thousand people send it to 10 people please like this is a request almost from all of us who have a tendency to receive and also send cold emails you have to know what to personalize for right you have to test it mm-hmm. with a smaller audience understand them go you know check them out on linkedin google them up find their facebook profiles today information is everywhere and half of us don't have private profiles so i think just contextualizing it sometimes makes a lot of difference so somebody comes to me today and says hey i heard uh, you on this podcast and i think it's such a great podcast i don't believe them anymore because it's very easy to say that right but if they say hey in episode 4 you said this and i thought this was so then i know that you put in the effort to really get to know me Uh, and likewise i have also changed therefore my approach uh, to a lot of these things wherein when it comes to even cold emails that we do at scale i make sure that we add that bit of personalization and we test it on a pilot basis first so test it to 10 people 20 people see what's succeeding and nine times out of 10 in fact i would say 10 times out of 10 the only thing that people care about is whether you get to know them or not they genuinely don't care about whether your spacing was right or whether you made spelling mistake <laughs> and please do not do not send an email out with hello there first name in two brackets uh, please do not do that i think that's uh, going to be a sure shot way to kill it once and for all 
Yeah, yeah. Really, before you attempt, I think, any kind of personalization, because I've been at the receiving end of all sorts of butchery where my name is concerned because <laughs> their database has not been cleaned up, right? Like yeah. you know, half my last name and just initials and all sorts of stuff because that's how I filled the form and yeah. they haven't done much about it. <laughs> and also, please, for the love of God, make it easy to unsubscribe, right? <laughs> Some of us just yeah, don't want to yeah. hear from you. It's all right, right? Just make sure that the unsubscribe button works. Yeah, I've seen it with big brands like Flipkart. It, yeah. It's just impossible to unsubscribe from Flipkart's promotion email, by the way. So. No, because if you don't, they're going to mark you as spam because that's the next option on any email client yeah. if you don't want to yeah. keep seeing it. And that's yeah. going to affect you with the lords of Google in some way, I'm sure. Yeah. And somewhere that entire CRM integration piece, it also has its benefits. It has its pitfalls as well. Upgrade. Somebody called me recently and said, I realized you're looking for a program. And I said, yeah, that was last year. I finished studying also. So if uh-huh. sometimes, like, where in this database are you, right? Are you being marked as a prospect? Are you being marked as somebody who's an alumnus? You genuinely mm-hmm. don't know anymore. So mm-hmm. yeah, do not send non-contextual email and yeah, just make it really easy to unsubscribe. I would say that's like number one. <laughs> so true, so true. No, but there are a few emails where, um, you know, when done right, it's really a good channel. You make yeah. a good connection with the uh, with the writer slash author. Um, there's one writer slash author who, I don't know how I got onto the list. I'm sure I subscribed somewhere, but she sends a simple email once in a couple yeah. of weeks. There's a good book recommendation. When I respond to her, she replies, right? That's another thing. Like, please so true. write back, like some yeah. sent out thousands and somebody's actually written back to you. Thinking, yeah, yeah. True. In fact, I subscribe to a bunch of marketing emails and I have one day in the week when I read them because that's I find a nice uh, focused way of learning from a lot of these things. Just the other day, I wrote to this guy and he actually responded within two hours, which I thought was so sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even newsletters in completely irrelevant domains can be interesting if you write it the right way. The content really is the game changer. Yeah, because we all aren't really so single dimensional that uh, we want only one type of content. Most times we're exploring and we want just good content. True. True. And if it entertains us, like that's the baseline of all content, right? Even in a business context, if I feel seen, I feel heard and I feel entertained, then you've already sold me uh, whether it's an email or a single line text message. True, true, true. Sounds good. I think um, a lot of takeaways for uh, anyone who's you know already in the newsletter and space or is venturing there. Um, one last thing, you know, there's a trend that I've been seeing: uh, the subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Is it, like, when is it too early? Like, I feel still uh, too early to kind of ask someone to pay for what I'm sending out. Yeah. But I see a lot of folks doing it. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a very individual choice. Although I do think that very few. Uh, three subscribers will turn into paid as well. right? And therefore, the value that you give out also has to be equally different. Uh, it, it, is a, it is a piece of effort, right? It's not something that you can just tomorrow get up and say, okay, now I have 500 subscribers, so let me monetize. I think it will have to be done in a more structured manner. And also, a lot of these things, we don't realize sometimes that they are full-time jobs, right? Like, for example, the doing of this podcast, in a way, mental energy-wise, is a full-time job, right? So, I think if you have the headspace for it, because you have to distribute, 
in today's day and age, there's no way you can just write a newsletter and you'll be discovered just like that, unless you are a celebrity of some sort. So I think knowing that that amount of effort is going to go into it, and then if you're still willing, do build it, and by all means, please monetize and share some profits with us as well. Uh, but it it takes time and it takes effort. Right, that's a lot of tips and tricks packed into this episode. I'm going to go back and really relook at my newsletter now and see what I can do. Now it's time for the much-awaited topic, Al. I think uh, emails have a lot of um, kind of bloopers that are associated with them, or at least what we as the reader sometimes think are bloopers. Like, did they really send this out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you a few quick questions on uh, you know what what's the what what you've seen in because I know you subscribe to a lot of good newsletters and then you unsubscribe to a lot of bad ones. Yeah. <laughs> And the good ones as well, when they become too much, it's all very yeah. Yeah. So, Asita, what's the funniest or weirdest subject line that you've seen? I don't think I can get over grandfather anytime <laughs> Just like my brain has stopped there. I, I mean, I feel so bad for the person who had to write it and send it out. I'm, I'm sure they would want to stay anonymous for a while, but I am not looking forward to. Finding out anything about anybody's grandfather or grandmother or sister-in-law? No, absolutely not. <laughs> What's the cringiest, like you know, email where kind of the association between the brand and what they're celebrating or calling out was just so, just so not there. Thankfully, I think uh, the brand in that those instances have become fewer and far in between. Uh, and of course, despite that, there are always the healthy there first names that keep coming up. But the most amount of dissonance I feel is when we are contracted to work for a company, either in a content role or a marketing role. And then I'll go to the website, obviously, to figure out what is their current drip campaign looking like. And, you know, and they never seem to figure out that I'm not a customer. I have been nurtured for eight, nine months by some of these people who are paying my bills. <laughs> And I just think like, when are you going to figure this out? You know, and how many contractors open rates are you confusing for customers sometimes, you know? It's interesting, right? We don't have different paths for different folks. No. And we don't know how to, yeah, so true, so true. What's the cheesiest email, you know, subject line or email copy that you've written for a brand because it they just had to celebrate God knows, you know, chocolate day or something like that <laughs> i think thankfully i've forgotten most of them because i believe in emotional cleaning from time to time but i'm pretty sure in my days of uh, working with a lot of commercial retail brands uh, not just emails we used to write some of the cringiest copy to the extent that it broke me i had to quit that uh, job in that particular role and you know, put an intern on it and let them suffer for a while because I have written, I have written things like uh, uh, have a spectacular Halloween sale <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, what is that? The big uh, festive sale of the season is here. And some of the most generic lines, right? Like the only festive sale that you need to shop at is here. And I'm like, yeah. no, I I myself am not going to shop at the sale. So what the hell am I doing really? <laughs> No, yeah, no, even this year, there were quite a few let us light up your Diwali kind of emails. Oh, with the sparkle emoji, right? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. 
my Diwali was pretty lit up by all these things. <laughs> What's the one email that you've sent out to anyone? Like, I mean, you know, not just a newsletter that you wish you could have recalled yesterday. I think I sent one of those every day. <laughs> Sometimes I just forget that I've spoken to those people in the past. And then my... My entire drip campaign, so to speak, begins from scratch. And then they have to write back to me saying, hey, by the way, we met, you know. So it's not I exist <laughs> in your locus of, you know, people you know. So there have been those instances. And uh, I think you were part of this as well. Uh, I sent out this email, which I thought I was sending internally, but I hit reply all and I said, uh, these morons want everything yesterday. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, fast fingers on an email client on the phone, and, it's dangerous. That was fun. I think uh, email marketing yeah. in general actually can be fun because it's a good way to get quality leads and quality business. Uh, and with these tips and tricks, I think all the effort will be that much more worthwhile. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope, you know, just have fun, you know, sometimes. Yeah, I know I keep saying this. This is the one thing that I say again a thousand and one times. <laughs> Without fun, all these things are just pointless in any case. Yeah. So that's your t-shirt. Consistently have fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode on all things email marketing. We had a lot of fun laughing about a lot of different things that could go wrong, but we also know that it is serious business. I hope we've been able to address the serious part of it. And if you have any questions, you know where to find us. Meanwhile, please follow the podcast so that you know when the next episode comes out. Thank you.